Let me share the message that I have for you this morning. The title of the message is, One Prayer Changes Everything. One Prayer Changes Everything. Now, you know what's interesting is I almost changed the title about five minutes before the service this morning. I was going to change it to, Every Prayer Changes Everything. And let me tell you why I was going to change the title. Because one of my favorite scriptures is Psalms 56, 9, where it says, every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. So whichever title you like, whether you want to pick every prayer or every time you pray, it doesn't matter to me. Just remember this. Every single time you pray, something in the heavenlies is shifting on your behalf. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, he said this. He goes, I don't always pray for 30 minutes, but I don't ever allow 30 minutes to go by without praying. Smith Wigglesworth understood the power that ha- that's taking place when we pray. One thing we can always remind ourselves is the greatest power that man has is prayer. When we call on God, he does something on our behalf. Not sometimes, every time. Now you may be thinking to yourself, I've prayed a lot of prayers and I didn't see anything happen. Well, let me promise you this. You may have not have seen it happen, but something was happening every time you pray. You say, well, Frankie, that's awful hard for me to embrace. Let me ask you, do you believe in the wind? You can't see the wind. Do you believe in sound waves? You can't see sound waves. If you can trust that the wind is happening, even though you can't see the wind, if you can trust that sound waves are taking place, even though you can't see sound waves, let's take the word for what it's saying. Every time you pray, the tide of the battle shifts. There's a particular Bible story that I want to unpack with you. It's in John chapter 4 where Jesus is just finished walking for miles. And he comes up to a well. And while he's standing at that well, his 12 disciples decide that they're going to go get some food. Because they're very hungry after their long journey. While he's standing at the well waiting for his disciples to return... A woman comes walking up to the well to draw some water. Jesus looks at the woman and he says, give me some water. She looks back at him and she says, well, you don't even have a bucket. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shifts gears in the conversation. He goes from introduction straight into, (laughs) I don't even know what you want to call it. Watch this transition. He looks at her and says, go get your husband. She looks back at him and says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, you know what? You're absolutely right. You've had five husbands and the man that you're married to right now is not even one of the five. Unbelievable. I mean, Jesus, the creator of the universe 
Couldn't you have come up with a better introduction than that? I mean, at least, hey, how are you? My name is Jesus. What do you do? Uh, what do I do? I make things. I, I don't know. Could you have come up with a better introduction than go get your husband? I know. I know you, you, are, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. I mean, come on. Can we have a better hello than that? I mean, I watched a movie one time where there was this girl in the living room and she saw the guy that she loved and she says, you had me at hello. I don't think this girl had Jesus at hello. I think she was thinking, I said goodbye at hello. So she was about to turn around and walk off and they begin to talk. See, Jesus is interesting in the fact that he wants to talk about what's really happening. He wants to go beneath the surface. You see, the truth is a very difficult thing to cover up. It is hard work making a life look better than what it is. And Jesus wants to talk about that. He sees exactly where you are. He sees exactly where I am. And he wants to talk to us on an intimate, on a personal basis about what's really going on. It's hard work covering up the things in our life that may not be going so well. If the marriage isn't going so well, we don't really want everybody to know about it. If we're struggling financially, we don't really want the whole world to know. If one of our children isn't doing very well, that's not something we really want to broadcast. But Jesus comes in and says, those are the things that I want to talk to you about. Those are the things that I can fix for you. You can't fix them, otherwise you would have already. But I can fix them. Will you give me your marriage? Will you give me your finances? Will you give me your children? Will you give me your health? Will you talk to me about it? Will you pray about it? Will you let me in? That's what he was saying to her. Will you let me in? You know, I remember one time I was 16 years old and, you know, my family didn't have a lot of money. And so I was 16. I had my driver's license, but I didn't have a car. And uh, we had a, a friend of ours in the church that had an old beat-up pickup truck that they never used. And so they offered it to me uh, to use the truck, and then they ended up giving me the truck. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, that's awful generous. It was very generous, and I'm extremely grateful to this day that they were so kind. But when I did sell the truck... A couple years later, I was able to get $700 for it, and that was a deal because it was probably worth about $250. It wasn't a very nice truck, but I didn't care. I was happy to have wheels. You know what they say, four wheels is better than two heels, so I was happy to have it. I remember I was driving down the road, and I wasn't paying attention to where I was going, And I slammed into this car in front of me. I was scared. I was afraid. Um, I obviously I got a ticket and uh, a tow truck had to take my truck and bring it to my house. Well, the tow truck had to bring my truck to my house because I wasn't able to drive it because when I slammed the car in front of me, my fender got bent underneath the front right wheel. 
So it was not drivable. And so I didn't want my dad to know about the wreck. Now, the truck was beat up already, and so I knew that an extra dent, he wasn't going to notice. But the fender underneath the wheel, he was going to notice that. I didn't want him to find out. I'll never forget going to get a crowbar as a 16-year-old little skinny kid and prying it in between the tire and the fender and pulling as hard as I could to get my, my fender out. Well, the fender on the truck, maybe it was my bumper, it was, it was made of steel, so I couldn't bend the steel alone. What was interesting was unbeknownst to me, my father was looking out the Venetian blinds. He was looking out there and he was watching me the entire time with this crowbar trying to bend back the bumper. This little 16-year-old kid with curly hair, you'll have to use your imagination, but with curly hair and two loop earrings and weighing about 56 pounds soaking wet, trying to pull back this, this bumper, this fender. And my father's watching me the whole time. And he told me later, he says, I, I wanted so badly to help you, Frankie, but I just wanted to see if you were going to come ask me for help. And when I couldn't pull anymore, I had to go back in the house and I had to say, hey, dad, this is what's going on. I need some help. You know what? That's exactly what Jesus was doing with the woman at the well. He was looking at her and said, hey, Will you just tell me what's going on? Because I can help. Every single time you pray, it's Jesus looking at you saying, will you just tell me what's going on? Because I can help. Now, what's very interesting is when Jesus said that to her, she didn't respond the way some of us would think she would respond. She actually got really slick and she turned the tables and didn't answer the question about the husband, didn't answer the question about giving Jesus some water. Instead, she turned the tables around and asked him a question. And she says, what are you, a prophet? She goes, are are you a prophet? She goes, if you're a prophet, then why don't you tell me this? Why do the Jews believe that we have to worship only in Jerusalem? Now, that's interesting to me because it tells me that this issue about the Jews worshiping at a particular place had really been bothering her for a long time. Now, you may say... What's the big deal about Jews worshiping at a particular place? Jesus is there to help you. Forget about that. Answer the question. The Son of God is right in front of you. But something was bothering her. And when something bothers people, a lot of times they can't move forward. They can't move past it. It may be silly to you. It may be silly to me. It was a big deal to her. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you've prayed a prayer before. It didn't happen the way you wanted it to. A family member did something. A friend did something. And you don't understand why God would allow that to happen. It'd be real easy to back up and say, God, what are you doing? 
I can't pray. I can't worship because I'm completely confused. I'm confused on why you're allowing this to happen. I'm confused because you didn't answer that prayer when I was young. I'm confused because of this and I'm confused because of that. And therefore you're not able to pray. You're not able to worship because you're confused. I just want you to know that the way Jesus looks at you is the same way he looked at her. He looks at her with compassion. He looks at her full of love in his heart. I remember one time I was very confused. I think I was probably 20 years old. I was living in Rockford, Illinois, and I had a friend of mine who lived in Houston. She was a single mom and she had two daughters. And uh, I knew her well because she was uh, a part of our youth leadership team um, at the church that I was at before I moved to Rockford, Illinois. And I was on the phone with her and she was telling me that she was having trouble finding a job. And uh, she was having trouble making ends meet. She was telling me about her two little girls that they were going through a hard time. And I remember hanging up the phone and being angry at God. I remember thinking, why in the world would you allow this single mother to have to go through such a hard time? Why, why did her husband have to leave her? Why is she having to raise these two little girls all by herself? I was so upset with the Lord because I know that my friend, that she had prayed hundreds and thousands of prayers and it seemed like nothing was happening. And so while I'm in Bible college up in Rockford, Illinois, I was so upset that I just started going through the motions. I was going to class and I was taking the tests and I was taking the quizzes, but I was just going through the motions. I wasn't praying. Every time Jesus would cross my mind, I'd push him out because I'm thinking to myself, God, this is not fair what you're doing with this single mom. One time I, uh, shortly thereafter, a friend of mine was getting married And I'll never forget this. It was during the wedding rehearsal and I was an usher in the wedding. And so, you know, wedding rehearsals sometimes last for a couple hours. And the role of an usher in a wedding is so small during the wedding rehearsal, you're mostly just sitting around watching paint dry. Well, I'm sitting in the back of this sanctuary and I'm just sitting there waiting for my role for somebody to say, okay, it's time for the ushers. And I'm sitting there in the back and I'm just sitting there waiting. And weeks had gone by at this point of me not praying. Weeks had gone by without me worshiping. I didn't want to pray and I didn't want to worship because I was so angry with God that he wasn't taking care of this single mother and these two little girls. All of a sudden, I felt the Lord speak to me. It wasn't out loud like you can hear me right now. It was right down in here in my heart. And all he said was, Frankie, I miss you. And all of a sudden my eyes watered up and tears came down my face. And I knew that he was talking to me. All of a sudden, I still cared about my friend in Houston. I still cared about the two little girls. But feeling his presence and hearing him say, I miss you, seemed to bring peace that kind of passed my understanding. I would say this to you, if it's been a little while since you've talked to the Lord, I know certain things have bothered you in your past. 
I've experienced that. The woman at the well experienced that. I would say this, the Lord misses you. He misses the sound of your voice. Nobody prays like you pray. There's no tone in the world like the tone of your voice. God created the sound of every single bird. The bird, the, the, the song that the birds sing. He created every single one of those sounds. He created the sound of the wind. He created every sound there is. The sound of a waterfall. There's no sound like your voice. And he misses your voice. At that moment... I just knew that God's love missed me. And what's so interesting is I decided that I was just going to start talking to him again. I was going to start worshiping again. And I was just going to ignore what I didn't understand. And wouldn't you know, with just a few weeks, I got a call from my friend in Houston. She got a great job. Wouldn't you know that just a few months later, this guy came walking into her life and she found the love of her life and the children found a dad that they always wished they had. And right now, they're a strong family living in the Houston area and they're doing better than I could have ever dreamed. I didn't know the whole time that Jesus was taking care of everything. There's things that we don't understand and there's things that we don't know. But for her, her issue was worship. Her issue, the woman at the well, her issue was why don't Jews worship in Jerusalem? And Jesus solved all of her problems with just a whisper. He looked at her and he said, pretty soon, it's not going to matter where you worship. Because God is looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, it doesn't matter if you worship in Jerusalem or if you worship in, in Kansas City. It doesn't worship, it doesn't matter where you worship. The only thing that God wants is for someone to worship fervently, for someone to worship passionately. In the scriptures in Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9, it says that the eyes of the Lord go back and forth throughout the entire earth looking for faithful people so that he can show his strength in their life. And in a moment, he shared with that woman, what's bothering you? Don't let it bother you. There's things going on that's beyond your imagination. If we could figure out God, he wouldn't be worth worshiping. What we have to do is we have to reach that place where we back up and we say, God, I'm going to worship you with all my heart and allow his peace to saturate our hearts. So what was the result of that encounter, of that one moment with this woman and Jesus? What was the result? Well, she goes running back to the village. She leaves the well. She leaves Jesus. She says, wait right here. And she takes off. She runs back to the village and she's telling everybody, I think I found him. I think I found the Messiah. And the Bible in the New Living Translation uses the words, streams that the people streamed out of the village to come meet Jesus. And when they met Jesus, Jesus began to talk to them in the way that he talked to her, in the way that he talked to me. And I want you to know that in Romans chapter 2 verse 11, it says that Jesus has no favorites. 
And so in the same way that he loved that woman at the well, in the same way that he loves me, is the same way that he loves you. And the only thing that he wants is for someone to say a prayer, for someone to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I love you. And for the first time in that woman's life, she began to see the plan that God had for her. She began to tell people about Jesus, and all of a sudden, people began to believe in him, not because of what she said, but because of what they experienced themselves. What's so fascinating to me is for that woman to live the rest of her life knowing what God wants her to do, to go around and to tell her story. I know she lived the rest of her life more fulfilled than she had ever been prior to that moment. See, there's a lot of things that distract us. There's a lot of things that discourage us because we are very focused on the plans that we have for ourselves. But I'll say this, Once we know what God's plan is for our life, our plans will no longer matter. Here's the takeaway for the week. Are you ready? Here's the takeaway. The takeaway is this. Never forget how powerful your prayer is. Don't ever forget how powerful your prayer is. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, it says this. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve the people who will one day be in heaven. Listen to that. Aren't all angels, aren't all trillion angels, don't they exist, don't they all exist to serve you and I? If we're not praying, guess what? They're standing around you waiting for something to do. So let's give them something to do. Let's call on God and let's get those angels serving and angels doing things. What I love is there are certain stories in the Bible where angels go up and down from heaven. They bring praises to God and then God sends blessings down to us through his angels. Let's get these angels busy. I hope that encourages you today. If it does encourage you, share it with a friend and don't ever forget how much power is in your prayer. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're always with us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. And for every single person that's listening this morning, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and bring you peace. Be blessed in the name of Jesus.